Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for joining us tonight on this special edition of Nickish at Night, where we bring in a special guest every single week. And we're really excited for this week's guest because he is heavily involved as far as Nick's content creation goes. He is the content producer of Nick's Film School and the host of the Final Score podcast. Welcome to the show, Mr. Andrew Claudio. Guys, how you doing? How you doing? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm glad we could talk a little Nick's, a little... We, we talked a little bit before the show about the MCU, so I'm obviously here for whatever <laughs> movie talk you guys want to do. Thank you for having me tonight. Appreciate you coming on. I know it's a, it's a big time for the Knicks Film School gang. Um, we saw the big news today. Um, so just flat out right now, let's get it out the way. You definitely hooked that up, right? The Mike Breen. Yeah, totally. I, in fact, I'm the secret to John Macri's success. I've been obviously. saying. I've been telling my partner here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's funny. Um, we wanted to do something special for episode 300, and John's obviously been extremely well-connected through his time at Nick's Sports Illustrated and just right. the newsletter and all the different connections he's made. And I threw out a couple ideas that were nowhere near the A-list that he ended up dropping, and... We actually failed on plan A, which could still be in the works. I won't say who, but then he goes, that didn't work, but I got Breen. And it's like, wait, Ooh. like Michael <laughs> Breen? Like the guy we're about to watch call a Knicks game tonight? And when that worked out, um, oh, who am I kidding? We got A-list. Concepcion was going to be episode 300. And then oh, nice. when nice. that ended up working out for 299, it's created a pretty fun week for us. Yeah, I... It w- we recorded it about a week ago, and putting it together was was kind of surreal. It's it's you know testament to John and how hard he works and what we're trying to build over at Nick's Film School. Yeah, I mean it's also a testament to your work as well. Uh, we definitely Thank see you. the credit that John you know gives sure. out often, and really the elevation of Nick's Film School. You know a lot of it. You know kudos and credits goes out to you, and John Macri definitely makes a point of that. Um, you know, we were lucky enough to have um, JB on our show last year. He mm. reached out to us, you know, when we were just getting started. At this point, it was almost two, two years ago. And, yeah. you know, first guest we ever really had on the show. And, uh, you know, he was, you know, very for- very nice to us as newbies and just trying nice. to drop some knowledge and just, you know, kind of lead the way for us guys. And uh, Macri, of course, we've talked to him a couple of times and we're hoping to have him on the show later this year. Um, but you know, Andrew, you've definitely elevated Nick's film school. We see the YouTube shows every, you know, every game, <laughs> um, the quality of the podcast, you know, not that it was bad before, but you know, with your work, <laughs> no, you can say it, you can say it. Can say it. We tell yeah. truth here. Come on now. <laughs> thank you. Don't hold thank back. you. <laughs> um, look, I, I'm just lucky enough that like I went to school for this. So, mm-hmm. right. You know, it's just to be completely honest, the industry, has its ups and its downs and a little over a year and a half ago i hit a very significant down um Mm. and then like i left my old gig and didn't really know what i wanted to do yet and i just said to john like i'm trying to 
just gotta get my feet wet again and keep those skills sharp. Do you mind if I produce your pod for a little bit? And they had just signed on with Overtime Media uh, to be part of their podcast network. And he said, well, yeah, and we might even be able to compensate you, which is nothing I had ever been able to do before. And it led to um, him really loose, like not gripping too tight onto the rope as I brought some more ideas and tried to improve it little by little. And, um, you know, I, you mentioned JB. It's, it's just so wild how he went from like launching Nick's film school as a hobby to us taking over and him saying, well, I still want to keep this a hobby. So I'm going to go launch a Mets newsletter and <laughs> it's going to become just as popular in a matter of months. Um, but yeah, I, I'm lucky enough that I work with people I enjoy talking to whose content I already enjoyed going in and I can improve it a little bit. So that way you guys can enjoy it as well. Yeah. I mean, that was going to be our natural next question. You kind of answered it right there. So it was basically when that next film school opportunity came up, that was you kind of reaching out to John as opposed to vice versa or. Well, yeah. So, so I used to, so, the sequence of events. So I went to school for digital media. Um, I graduated in 2015. Um, my alma mater does not have the best of reputations right now. It is Liberty University. And oh, no. I don't I I don't want to renounce my school. I guess denounce my school is the correct word. Mm-hmm. But I I will just no comments as far as that's just an, a strange relationship right now. We just call it that. Yeah, it's it's complicated, as Facebook <laughs> will tell you. Um, nice. And so uh, I went to a blog called Gotham Sports Network. And I, like, I don't mean to speak ill will of them. They just, we hit a plateau at a certain point mm-hmm. and I knew I had to move on. And that's when John, already wearing so many hats at Nick's Film School, wanted to do more on the digital media side. And my old co-host of the Nick's pod I was hosting called Nothing But Nick's. I know there's multiple Nothing But Nick's. I can explain that later if you'd like. Um, but my old co-host Jeremy, um, he became John's co-host and then he said like, John's kind of looking for an extra set of hands and it became kind of a perfect marriage. And since then we've, you know, obviously made the move to blue wire and the YouTube channel, which was launched and it's become a a legitimate full-time, at least full-time work, let alone a full-time job. And, uh, I just, I cannot say enough. Like, I don't mean to give, like, he gives me a ton of credit on the pod. Part of the reason I feel like I have to work as hard is I know if I'm up at 3 a.m. with a really hard edit, he's also working on the newsletter. And it's like, it's that remember the Titans line attitude reflect leadership. Like, Mm, if, if, if he didn't work as hard, I don't know if I would, but I know I have to at least try to work as hard as him and uh it's just it's been a really good experience for me the last last year and a half at least that's awesome and yeah uh with nick's film school and I, i'd probably say the strickland and nothing even nothing but nick's with simeon russell who we're actually affiliates of nothing i figured can i set the record straight so yeah. when i was at gotham it was the first show we launched was a Mets podcast. It was right after they went to the World Series. And the the dream was like a full podcast network for all New York teams. And the second one we did was a Jets and Giants pod. 
then it was time for me to launch my own. And I said, well, I call the Knicks. And we launched it in right before the 2016-17 season. So the Derrick Rose, the, the, the last Phil Jackson year, the Mellow Won't Wave is No Trade Clause year. Right. And I called it nothing but Knicks. And then it was a year and a half later that I noticed that there's a YouTube channel. And I was like, oh, no, like I have no ill will towards him. Like he and I have DM'd <laughs> before. We were going to link up for like a there. We're allowed to have both. And then I left Gotham and said, you know what? Just take it. It's, go ahead. I don't I don't have that much of attachment to it. Um, so, yeah, Sim is as someone who's now diving into the YouTube game. I've watched many a, a Sim live stream. I've watched many a CP live stream mm-hmm. um i've i mean you guys your guest list i mean the, that john starks interview pops up every now and then um i've been able to like appreciate now the youtube side of nick's content right. creation but more importantly it's it, kumbaya we're we're all on the same team rooting for the same team awesome so for sure i mean go ahead no, no, I was just gonna say like to your point just uh, like what I, what we loved about nick's film school because i feel like you guys are I mean, you guys now, but before they kind of started off, maybe a few months before we decided to kind of hit the podcasting trail as well. But the main thing that we both took away was just like the, that whole community like aspect, that brotherhood, like brothers in arms kind of thing that Nick's Film School does. So Sim's kind of the same way. You know, he actually opened up the doors to like to us to allow us to join NBK. And, you know, I see a lot of parallels there. And to your point, it's just like we're all part of the same team, rooting for the same team. And it's like it's super dope to see. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's everybody's got their own version of Nick's content creation. There's room, especially today, where it's not as much of like obviously there's a hint of competition, but it's right. not like back in the day where there was like one radio station or one cable network. Now with YouTube and podcasts, you can just be part of everybody's lineups, and exactly there's room for everybody. Yeah, at least that's my perspective on it. Right Most now, definitely. you do have your own podcast, Final Score Pod, where you talk pretty much about anything a lot of, th- a lot of things movies <laughs> basketball football culture um you know let, let's let's hear a little bit about that and how you really got involved because overtime media is part of that as well or they own it i i believe that's, that's they, do. <laughs> so, they do they so, do so when it comes to that you know how it started where where do you see it going uh, especially when you're working on both that and nick film school well the beauty of final score is I have not talked Knicks on that show once. So I I almost get to separate the Knicks as a form of work. And then when I dive into final score, it's almost like it's two separate jobs. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, when I launched final score again, this is after a good three years of very niche podcasting. I had been doing a Mets show. I had been doing a Nick show. I had been helping with a jet show. I'd been doing a Mets, sh- uh, excuse me, a movie show. And I knew I wanted to just kind of collaborate that all into one place. And it was January. It was like maybe a month after I had joined up with Nick's film school. I said, you know what? Just go out, create a podcast. You like, you obviously know how to do this and see what happens now one thing good happened and then one thing terrible that the podcast really you know is the least of anybody's worries so the good thing is that six episodes in uh overtime which is where um nick's film school was reached out and said like you know we hear the quality of your work john vouches for you we'd love to add you to our network um the bad thing is that three weeks after that episode came out that was the first on overtime media 
a global pandemic hit and all sports and movies uh, went away. So like six months went by where we're coming up with these niche ideas for podcast episodes. And I don't think I've ever dove into more NFL draft coverage than I did <laughs> this year. Cause I was just like, okay, yeah. When the 20 year old wants to play for a team, he'll play for a team. And this year I'm like, well, you have to really look at his release point. I don't know if his <laughs> hip is actually as healthy as you think, but chase young off the edge. It's it just became overwhelming with having to, really stay creative right um, we i mean i survived it and we're at episode 97 as of now once sports came back once movies kind of came back and you know i'm sure you guys know this from from what you guys do right. when you start something it's never gonna look the same three months later six months later you experiment with things you most definitely um you, you find a rhythm you find different co-hosts like i have a rotation of people that i like to talk different things about and i've auditioned a lot of people <laughs> on that show but it ends up actually being like i've like i've had jeremy on the, the now of nick's film school because he used to be my co-host when i was at gotham and i like having conversations with him and that i think is the more important thing when it comes to podcasts and anything that you're doing is you have to do it with people that you enjoy talking to um, right so that's that's the biggest thing I like doing with with Final Score is that it's it's more than anything a conversation show, as I can quote Sean Fennessy, with anybody, uh, with people that I like talking to, but more importantly, um, talking about things that I'd be be doing anyway. We're just we just hit record on it instead. So that right. as far as where it goes, um, more on that soon. <laughs> um, but <laughs> you know, I'm I'm very proud of the work that especially like I, I like listen like the pandemic hit everybody tough and like i lost my uncle unfortunately to covid 19 oh man so thank you um so like thank obviously you. whether or not i have a podcast is like the least of anybody's actual worries but um we had a challenge in in last march and i think the strongest survived like i have a couple of friends that hosted the movie pod and just decided, well, we're just not going to host a movie pod anymore. It's like, but it's tough. You just, like, you don't even like come up with just like, okay, we're just going to like, for me, not even a movie pod. It's like, okay, best of the decade. I'm just going to pick a different theme. We did best superhero movies, best uh, actors of the decade, best Disney movies, uh, best directors, best comedies. And that took up like eight or nine shows, which then gets you through a good two months of content. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I feel like I'm rambling at this point, no. which no, we dig it, man. We love comes it. Comes <laughs> up being a podcast host, but um, yeah, I'm I'm really proud of what Final Score has been for me uh, for for over time, and then what, what we've been able to accomplish over the last year. Yeah, that's super dope to hear. And like, don't yeah. don't ever kind of apologize for having the rant. We kind of consider this our Jimmy Fallon opportunity. We like the ah. guests to kind of you know get their whole you know story off, and you know we like to kind of you know hone our interview craft, but um. You're, they, you're laughing a lot less than Jimmy Fallon. I'll just say that right now. I mean, we, we may not be there in terms of the dork scale, you know, like yeah. he's got the whole goofy white guy thing going. There's a whole you know? complex. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we might get a laugh track. You know, you talk about innovating in the podcast game. Oh. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. <laughs> if that's on there the inventory. Go. But um, real quick, I mean, you mentioned we had asked you about MCU beforehand. Like right now, you're, you're a movie pod guy. Top five mm -hmm. MCU movies. Let's hear it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Gotta put you I'm on like spot. this close to pulling up my letterbox to make sure I get it right. <laughs> um, okay, so 
for I have to respond to that with a question. Do Endgame and Infinity War count as one movie? No. Can no. I count them as one movie? I mean, for the purpose of this, why not? You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, they like, are interchangeable. Then I, they're I, number one. I, I, I would put them in order if you wanted me to. I like I like Infinity War more than Endgame because mm. like when I rewatch both of them, I will sit down and watch all of Infinity War, but the peak of Endgame, that last 40 minutes from the time Cap gets the hammer to the end of right. the movie is borderline my favorite piece of cinema ever. You it know? really it's is. Like, like, I'm just it's getting up there with like, you say it. <laughs> it's like up there with the Copa shot in Goodfellas. And it's right. like, like this is a, a CGI culmination of what we've been watching the last 10 years. So I would put them, if I'm allowed to put them as one movie, they're obviously my number one. Um, personally, my number two is, um, probably Cap Civil War. Mm. I love the ideas that are created in that movie. We're kind of going through it right now. How much government interference do you want versus, you know, oversight from the people on top? And it's, it's kind of what our country has tried to go through over the last (laughs) years, 400 years, if you really want to be honest. Um, so I Caps of the War, specifically the introduction of Spider-Man, the introduction of Black Panther. I'd have to put them at uh, I'd have to put Caps of the War too. Um I'm trying to remember my list now. Um Cap two Winter Soldier. Yes, there you go. Borderline perfect. So that would be three. Uh Black Panther four. And to be honest, and this might just be my own fault here, I had to really really do a deep dive after Chadwick's passing. Cause I was mm. very, I was very lukewarm on the movie and what it means though, is so much more important than how good of an MCU film it is. Right, I think right. It's much more of an achievement than it is yeah. an actual uh, an achievement in culture than it is an achievement in cinema. Although it is like a James Bond movie. It's basically Skyfall, but Wakanda, exactly. you know? Um, and then five, can't say another cat movie, can I? Okay. Thor Ragnarok. Do I say a Guardians movie? Um, I'll say Thor Ragnarok is five. And if you're if you check out my letterbox and it says completely different, then mm-hmm. you know, blame these two because they put me on the spot. But um, <laughs> yeah, though that would be my my five slash six for the what, MCU. what do you think of Ultron? Was that especially now with WandaVision? I don't know if you've well, so, I but, think it's underrated in terms of importance. Like now well, that you kind of back on it all. It might yeah. be the glue that sticks the whole MCU together, if you think about it a little bit. So there's an interesting thing you just said about WandaVision. If I'm ranking MCU properties, like mm. WandaVision's might be number three or four for me. It's It really might. It's I mean, you mentioned Ultron, not even just Ultron, but Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain mm. Marvel, movies that are much lower on my list now have a different context. They now means something different when I go back and rewatch them because I see what happens in WandaVision to Monica Rambeau um, exactly. and uh, uh, to, to uh, Randall Park's character uh, in in WandaVision. Uh, Jimmy Woo? He's trying, yeah, Jimmy Woo. Like he's trying to do the card trick all throughout Ant-Man and the Wasp. He finally gets it in WandaVision. And obviously <laughs> the Wanda stuff with uh, her brother in, in Age of Ultron 
it's now made my next watch through the MCU, which is a testament to Feige. Like we got the Snyder cut coming up, which who knows whether it's going to be good or bad. Um, Polishing a turd, really. You said it, not me. (laughs) Um, So, like, with the Snyder cut coming up, that's supposed to revolutionize the DC universe. Like, Marvel shows up with this show about two of their like ninth and tenth most important characters in the MCU, and it's completely rejuvenated the franchise into i can't wait now what happens to see what happens now in in phase four which i mean should i even doubt marvel at this point and what they're able to do so um as far as ultron goes i was very i was very down on it i probably still am as a movie because mm-hmm. like, ultron in the comics like murders people and <laughs> like nobody dies except quicksilver in that movie yeah it's like and not I my ultron part, either right like it's part of why I like it's part of why I like Civil War because you finally get to see them with consequences. Like exactly. I as much as I don't like the government being like, well, like these eleven people died. It's like, yeah, but the planet survived. You know, like let's use a little common sense when we're talking about this. Um, <laughs> as much as I, I think that's a little comic book like silliness, like the actual stakes that are introduced in that movie, I think great. Meanwhile, in Ultron. It's like, okay, so flying monkey syndrome? Like, Ultron's just <laughs> able to deploy all of these robots, but none of them matter because they're robots. And nobody, like, one character that was introduced in this movie dies, so there's no real stakes attached to it. So, yeah, um, yeah I was I was much more down on Ultron, especially when it came out, you know? Agreed. Now, I'm, I'm happy we have you on right now. We're talking about MCU because you could probably settle this debate for us right here, right oh, now. Oh, okay. no. Um, Are we doing the whole Infinity War thing? We're, oh, no. That oh, entrance, Infinity War, was it corny or not corny? Him coming out of the shadows with the passing train. Oh, I thought it was epic. Yeah, see? Was there you go. Yeah, I mean, two to one. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Decided. All right. I, I thought it was a little going to be a little. <laughs> Sorry. Easy. Yeah, no. I, especially <laughs> like Beard Cap. Like, oh, man. The pretty boy aspect of Captain of, of Captain America gets kind of tired. Like, so you just took a break from fighting supervillains to shave like every day, <laughs> Cap. Um, and for him to let it grow out, which makes sense when you know what happens at the end of Cap Civil War. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I dug it. I hate that I saw it in the trailer, but I dug it. You know. Yeah, yeah. It also I mean, like. Let me ask you, what was your crowd experience like when you saw Infinity War? Because oh, awesome. I think so. Amazing. So then, why didn't you like it? Like my experience with Infinity War, everybody <laughs> was going nuts at every significant moment. So that was one of them. I he was the one guy in the crowd being a sourpuss. Just, just a bad look <laughs> yeah. on his face. Just, <laughs> he just, with uh, the coffee, like this is changed my mind. You know? uh, I mean, you know, most of your lists, I I agree with. Um, you know, Captain America, all the movies were awesome. He's 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 awesome. I just. Mm. I never really liked Wanda and Vision as much, and I, I I feel like whenever I rewatch Infinity War, I've watched it maybe like ten times. Their scene is a one scene that I'll skip through because it's like no, I just personally no. just didn't like it. The, the whole like looking through a glass window, Vision gets stabbed, doesn't see it coming. He's supposed to be one of the all time strongest Avengers, couldn't see it coming, and he and Wanda couldn't keep up with these two guys, uh, these two villains, and then they throw a spear, and Captain America catches it with nothing else in his hand, no shield, nothing, and he's able to scare them away. You're applying way too much logic to a comic book movie <laughs> right now. Like, that's a thing. Like, <laughs> like, like if, if their whole point was Doctor Strange saw one 
way that this whole thing could end, but like, okay, what if Captain Marvel, who's this all superhero, all superior being, just grabs the gauntlet and then snaps? Like, she probably lives. So why didn't you see that, Doc? There's only one way, and it's the most <laughs> mortal out of anybody has to die. Like, why can't the most superhuman out of anybody yeah. do it? Then nobody dies, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'd argue even logically that seeing my partner just kind of try to break down, it makes sense if you think about it, because we had a whole back and forth. Like, this is literally, kid you not, our first episode us like doing for the quarantine, quarantine series to kind of make the best of Corona. We're just like, mm -hmm. hey, let's, uh, let's have a whole breakdown of Infinity War. And my whole thing was, you know, isn't Black Widow like the most dangerous assassin in the world? Captain America is probably the greatest soldier of all time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Sam Wilson trained by the army. So it's not about the pure power at play here. It's about their like ability to sneak up on these these Thanos foot soldiers as opposed to like them sneaking up on Vision and Wanda. That was my whole kind of like rationale to like apply logic to that scene because it made sense to me. You know what I mean? Like obviously they're going to get they're going to be able to sneak up on these folks, but my partner here did not see it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your so take Andrew? Well, so what the the issue is that they shouldn't have been able to sneak up on them like that. His whole thing is that Wanda and Vision being so, especially Wanda now that we see what she's turned into, they're so uber powerful. His uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Mo. His framing was it doesn't make sense that Cap, uh, Black Widow, and uh, Sam were able to kind of take advantage uh, or overcome those two folks, but Wanda and Vision just got kind of murked. You know what I mean? Yeah, I figured I mean, it made sense in, in the moment. That's one you know? part, but it was. It was, it was really the train passing by and everybody just oh. pausing <laughs> and then feeling the vibe of Captain America 30 feet away. And like they're they're all attacking each other and they just stop as a train passes. I, it was cool. It was cool. Battle sense is cool now. Maybe, you know. Well, yeah. like you just hit on it. It's cool. Like, there you go. Like, if you're going <laughs> to nitpick this, none of the time travel stuff makes sense in, in Endgame, you know? Like, mm -hmm. as much as. They explain it away with one line from War Machine being like, yeah, just if it happened, it happened. It's like, no, that's not how time travel works. Like, you just made up your own rules for this movie. Um, <laughs> I don't, so I will say, I don't like disagree with you. I, I just, I think I have much lower standards when it comes to the entertainment factor of the that's MCU. Fair. I think fan of 10 years, that might have been the one little clip that was just like... That's eh. the one little clip? Like, you nothing in up, Thor, Thor uh, the Dark World? Uh, nothing Dark World, in, yeah, I mean... There's a guy that can shrink to the size of an ant, but we don't use him unless it's convenient? Well, we have a witch, man, I didn't and we don't ever use her? <laughs> All right. Anyway, Knicks. Let's let's uh. The Knicks. Yeah, we need right, right. Knicks, right? Smooth. Uh, they could use some Avengers right now. I mean, Julius Randle is playing like one. Mm. Kind of want to talk about right. that Good guy. Good point. Good point. All star well, better be. Most definitely. But let's start off with them. Like, were you one of the folks? We were like, truth be told, we were both kind of very anti Randall. That's probably not really. That was not an unpopular oh, yeah. take in the summer. Who wasn't anti Randall? Probably Randall and his family. <laughs> That's true. That's why he friends. went on like a blocking spree like, last year <laughs> at one point. But yeah. um, yeah, that's what's your take on Randall as a whole? Do you think this is just contract year Randall, or this mm -hmm. is this is who he is? This is like Tibbs gave him mag magic potion, and he's this guy now. So think? he actually said it in an interview that he actually looked himself in the mirror and said, mm -hmm. "Like I let my yeah. team down," mm -hmm. and that's why, you know. The contract year thing, the Knicks still have him for another year if they opt in. So right. it's not even really a contract year. You know, he still technically is on the books for next year at a discount. Mm 
with the way he's playing at this point, but I think he looked himself in the mirror and said, like, I'm going to go get in the best shape of my life during this pandemic. All those workout videos we saw actually, you know, meant something. And all of the preseason talk was like the, the best, the person that's coming here in the best shape, which everybody shows up to camp in the best shape of their lives. But the person that's actually looked like they've reshaped their body is Julius Randle. And I, you know, I rolled it and said, whatever, I, I really hope they can trade him so that way this kid Obi Toppin can play. And then I think it was game three or four that I was like, Randall's passing more. Like they've actually right. got him getting the ball in situations that like he can be going downhill. He can uh, be in more playmaking situations. Like he's also just flat out making more shots than he did last year, which is, which is obviously the part of why he's an all-star in my mind. But he's like he's defending more. His rotations on defense, like it, it helps when you're playing next to Mitchell Robinson than right. um, like most of the year next to Todd Gibson or Bobby Portis. Like he's playing next to an arguable like Mitchell never get like first or second team votes for defensive player for defensive first or second team because mm -hmm. Joel Embiid and Rudy Gobert exist. But like, damn it, if he's not three or four on that list. Um, but Randall's been maybe for him great, but he's been really good on defense this year. Like, yep. especially rebounding. Like, if you get a sure. shot over him, he's then immediately going to get the rebound. It's really like the only offensive rebounds the Knicks give up are these deflections or these long rebounds that guards like Peyton and Rose and quickly don't end up getting. Um, long way of saying, I actually think this is sustainable to the point where the conversation's different now. This is sure. a guy at 26 that you might want to consider extending, and maybe he is part of the solution here. Like, to be honest, up until like two weeks ago, I was, I obviously eaten the crow of he's not that good. Mm. Let's trade him. And I changed it to, well, he's having a great season. Trade him while his value's high. And now I'm at the point where, like, maybe they should think about like trading, like, of extending him and, you right. know, pairing somebody <laughs> with him because it's, it's really tough to find an all-star. The Knicks have had two this decade. I'd like to see them, you know, now extend Randall and maybe sure. like, is, like the craziest part about the Knicks. We went into this season. Like, remember how everybody lost their minds when Michael Kidd Gilchrist was one of the big additions. And it's because there were so many questions about this team. And now there's like three that I have, like, I know, like, I know what kind of offense they're going to have. I know what kind of defense they're going to play. Uh, Randall's part of the solution. Mitchell Robinson is part of the solution. RJ had questions about, but I think he can be part of the solution. And now we're just like the bench now has places where you can find pieces, whether it be in OB or in quickly. Right. And now it's just, okay, now it's like two or three pieces away and you're contending for the four, three or four seed next year so i think mean, all this to then back up to randall it, it's a testament to him because as we've been as john and most of us have been saying at nick's film school all year like are the knicks they have three wins if randall's not on the team do they have two yeah. wins if randall's not on the team he's been he's been incredible this season yeah absolutely i think we're all in the same boat that we're all eating crow for for randall's take for randall yeah. takes um from especially from early of the start of the year. And he's coming in shooting lights out too now. I think crashing boards is one that we were very surprised with. Uh, game in, game out. I think he's gotten multiple games, over 15 rebounds. 
And now he's shooting four or five threes a game now from, from what it seems like. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to check out yesterday's game or was it the day before? I did. The magic. The, the magic game, yeah. It was what what happened? What happened in that game? So, the team that's defeated by injury right now. So, you know, the Knicks play a lot of – they've played a lot of games. They're like the one team that hasn't had until now their schedule interrupted by COVID. Right. Uh, they played a lot of back-to-backs. They, they're starting five leads the league in minutes for a five-man lineup. My, like, I didn't really dive deep into the box score because who dives deep into that box score? But from just remembering the game, it like a lot of shots are hitting the front rim. You know, they're not rotating well on the three. Like, that's the other part. Like, the Magic, the worst three point shooting team in the league, made 17, 18 threes. Like, you're just not going to win a lot of games that night. And when your bench is like three for 30 from the field and you're collectively six for 40 from three, whatever it was, you know, you're just not going to win a lot of games that way. It reminded me a lot of the, remember the Kings game when yeah. you just beat, mm-hmm. the Knicks had just been the Warriors and you're like, like they're going to go on a run. Like this is a legitimate team. And I remember being on a pod with uh, the guy who I do, do my football shows, Brett. And I said to him, like, cause he's like, he's a very much a degenerate. And he's like, what should I do with the Knicks line tonight? They're up they're, they're favored minus three. And it's like, dude, put the life savings on. There's no way they're losing to the Kings. And of course the Knicks <laughs> lost by like 13, 14 to the Kings because they're going to go through these stretches where they can't score. It's unfortunate because their defense is incredible. Like they gave up 107 points to the magic. It's not terrible. On nights, you just aren't hitting shots. You're not going to win a lot of games, which if you want to lead this into some trade talk, if one more person, Mark Berman suggests that they trade for Andre (laughs) Drummond and not shooting, I'm going to lose it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if it's, can you help us figure out? Is this a shtick by Mark Berman? By like, Berman? is this like, is he is he just genuine? Because so, maybe Macri has some inside info. I don't know at this point. <laughs> so he came on the pod before the season started, and uh, he, he seems like a nice guy. He's obviously a legend in the industry. He actually, sure. if I can shamelessly plug this, which is nothing shamelessly about this this brag I'm about to have. Um, <laughs> two years ago, when the Knicks were tanking for Zion and we were putting together a watch party for the lottery, uh, you know, back when we could all collectively put 300 people in a bar. Um, good times. Yeah. Good times <laughs> outside. Right. Um, yeah. So Berman reached out to a couple of Nick's podcast hosts and interviewed me, which huh. like he, he emailed me like Andrew Mark Berman of the New York post would like to, see if you can answer a couple questions about the watch party. I'm like, sure, Mark Berman of the post. I'm going <laughs> to clear my schedule for this, you know, of course. So, like, he does seem like a nice guy and obviously an accomplished journalist. I think this might actually be, like, you guys are part of the problem. We're part of the problem. There are a lot of, there's a lot of Knicks coverage out there. When you have to be different, the, the phrase Knicks for clicks is a reason mm-hmm. that – you have to kind of reach for it. And look, like if you read the article, there is some merit to the Knicks trading for a player, maybe not Andre Drummond, but to take a two month flyer on a guy. I'd rather it be like an old depot type or mm-hmm. Alonzo ball type, or even, you know, you're really only trading for his bird rights, but a Spencer Dinwiddie type 
um, that, you know, makes more sense with this roster. So not to defend him, because I thought it was very clickbaity what he was going for, but um, I think, you know, you have to figure out a way. I think we're all interacting with the tweet, which then leads to, yeah. you know, clicks and, and views and uh, not to, I, just, I don't want to accuse him of that because he's obviously a journalist, but that <laughs> is part of the game now, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to respect the hustle on some level. It's yeah. just, you know, it's getting kind of tired where it's like every other tweet seems to be like, oh, Nick's uh, draft snub or Nick's draft target. On, I actually on quite enjoy those at this night. point because, like you said, it's a shtick. Like, <laughs> yeah, a it's got to be. Like, Cole Anthony misses chance to prove he was <laughs> snubbed by the Knicks. <laughs> he went six you picks know? later. <laughs> it's like right. a whole... like, even the Halliburton thing, which is he's going to be linked to the Knicks for some reason, even though 11 other teams decided to pass on him too. Exactly. Like Halliburton, like he's great, but like the Knicks, like everybody on draft night said the Knicks took the best, most NBA ready player. Yep. So don't tell me only the Knicks got it wrong if you're saying exactly. they should have taken Halliburton. If if Halliburton's so great, why are the eleven other teams that are also in the mix mentioned and why didn't they take him? So um yeah, it's I respect him as a legend in the industry, but sure. um, I I can't say that I I am not going to quote tweet when he has a ridiculous headline to an article. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. Knicks are about thirty games in, and this is a mm-hmm. bit early, especially since we haven't seen like half of the season schedule. But uh oh, you know what? What do you see the Knicks ending their record in or record with? By well, that's the thing the is that I think they're a playoff team at this point. If you're mm-hmm. telling me ten teams make the playoffs this year. And, like, the crazy part is, and this was the most frustrating part of that Orlando game, Boston lost. The Heat lost. um, The Pacers lost. The Knicks win. They're 15-15, and and they're tied for the four seed, which, like, this year kind of reminds me. Remember that one year, the the year that the Knicks traded for Stephon Marbury, Mm. where I think it was 03-04, and there were three good teams in in the East. It was, like, the Nets, the Pacers, and the Pistons. They were all on pace. For 50 wins. The Nets obviously were the two seed and swept the Knicks in the playoffs. But from like four on down, it was like a crater of teams that were struggling to get over 500. I think that was Dwayne Wade's rookie year. And the Heat, as a four seed, were like, oh, this is a team that could eventually do something. And they won 42 games. That that was the four seed in the Eastern Conference that year. (laughs) Um, So. I think this season is a lot like that, where we have three good teams in this conference, and then everybody else is just kind of mediocre. Like you saw, you look at the standings, the Knicks are what the six seed still? I believe so. so. They're like two games away from being the four seed, but they're two games away from being 11th in the conference. Um, As currently constructed, and with the schedule lightening up a little bit, I think they can they can get to 30, I think it's a 34, 35 wins. It could be a 500 team, and I'd be shocked if that's not like a 7 or 8 seed in the East. Right. However, I think they're going to make a move. So we'll see who that move is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the, the – this offseason was so tricky to me because I think Leon Rose thought his CAA connections – this is – Obviously, no information. This is this is speculating, but I think he thought coming into this, it would be much easier to sign right. free agents. And then he showed up, and Gordon Hayward won't even go to the Knicks. Like he shows <laughs> to live in Charlotte over New York City, <laughs> and it's like, oh, like the Knicks need a 
a, a rebranding. They need to go through what A-Rod went through. Like you have too much dirt attached to you and you now need to, you know, go through be a bit of re-imaging. I think now, you know, top five defense, an all-star in Julius Randle, Emmanuel quickly is taking the league by storm. Um, you have some pieces here that teams are going to want or players are going to want to come play with and might make you want to gamble on an Oladipo or a Levine or another piece to, to add to this. Um, so I, I don't know what the move is yet, but I think Leon Rose doesn't he's I don't think he's gonna wait too long before he mm. makes that that first big splash and says, mm. Okay, like this is our team going forward. I mean, I noticed you didn't you mentioned two shooting guards there, but obviously the elephant in the room with all trade talks in the NBA mm. right now is one Bradley Beal and who conspicuously sat out the game against us. And I know a lot of conspiracy mm. theorists on Nick's Twitter, you know, ate that up. But um First and foremost, would you make a move for Beal? Because I feel like it would, you know, we'd have to clean out our cup, like our cupboard, to like get Beal. But well, what's to, the move? Um, I mean, I feel like RJ's got to be in it, right? Like, yeah, it's got to be one of those things where I mean, Drew Holiday went for like six first round picks or something ridiculous like that. It was that. three pick. Well, so the Holiday trade was three firsts unprotected mm-hmm. and two pick swaps. But like the 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 Pelicans are never gonna have a better record than the Bucks. Like those pick swaps are meaningless, you know. True, true. Um. So my thoughts on Bradley Beal, would I trade for him? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He is he is like a step below Dame Lillard in my mind. I think he's like a – maybe not top 10, but like top 13. Like regardless mm-hmm. of what team he's putting these numbers up on, when they were a playoff team, I always – if you, when you're watching him in that series against the Celtics back in 2018, I was way more afraid when Bradley Beal touched the ball you know, than, sure. than John Wall. I was at least more confident that he was going to get a big big bucket for them than I was Wall. Um, I need to know what the trade is because I'm not trading like, the, the, uh, the proposed trades out there for first R.J. Mitch, the Statue yeah. of Liberty, Jacob DeGrom, <laughs> and it's like, no, like this is still Bradley Beal we're talking about. Um, I, and this is, I, like, I, I kind of yeah, hinted at it. Like, oh, RJ Dallas pick three unprotected Knicks picks and Oof. what else? Uh, so like at OB. that point I'm out. Now here's OB. it's funny I was actually talking to John about the about this. Um, at what point do the first this year become tradable? Because I think mm. like that's the actual elephant in the room is that right now Dallas is in the lottery. The Knicks aren't, mm-hmm. and Dallas like I don't. Do you think they're gonna make the playoffs this year? I do. You know, they could. They, they got. Maybe, I mean, I they'll think they'll be one of those playing tournament teams. You know what I mean? Like they'll so probably get like the, Maybe if they're the nine seed, like, yeah, that's like the thirteen pick right there. So if the Knicks two picks this year are thirteen and seventeen, you're telling me that's not available in a mm. trade for Bradley Beal? Um, so I think my my cop out answer is I need to see what the picks are before I'm okay. actually trading them because like if the Knicks fall off in the second half and. I guess the expectation is if you make that deal, then Bradley, like you're not going to fall off. Like it, it yeah. doesn't matter anymore. But if Luca gets hurt, or obviously if Porzingis gets hurt and the Knicks fall off and you end up with two top 10 picks, I'd kind of rather that than, see, I say that than Bradley Beal, but I also want to say that Brad, like, I think you're in a win win situation then. And I'd rather see what those picks are before I'm making that trade. And then if, if, you're trading 14, 15, RJ, uh, a first in 2023, 
and Mitch for Bradley Beal and a second, I can't say I say no to that, you know, because then like now you have a big two and this league is full of big twos and yeah. you still keep quickly. You still keep some cap flexibility because um, you can then sign Beal to an extension. Um, teams will want to come play. Players will want to come play for you in that sense. I actually like haven't said this publicly that I would trade RJ by the way. So this is, ah. this is revealing news. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's at least the idea of the deal. If you were to do it, I'm not trading a top five pick for him though. That's, that's where I, I'm more me, my more land on this argument. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like in any Beal deal, RJ is going to have to be in it, but um, I feel like at least speaking for myself, I'm in the firmly like don't trade RJ like camp. Um, I do you think he's like, ever going to – sorry to interrupt you, but do you think he's ever going to be, like, a good enough shooter, though? I think with time, I just feel like there's like the streakiness we see, to me, that's almost a good sign. Like, the very fact that he could kind of heat up and have these, like, hot shooting streaks, I think that kind of is a good um, indicator that he might actually become at least a somewhat decent shooter. Just because even when it's off, it doesn't look ugly. You know what I mean? Like, there are moments where, like, you know, you see – like, MKG is, like, on the – far into that spectrum where like when he shoots you know that shit is trash but like rj <laughs> rj is like his jumper looks mechanically okay i'm not like a shot doctor but you know we all play ball does, we know what yeah. the jumper looks like you know what i mean so i think eventually he can get there and i also feel like it, it's like cliche at this point but his prototype has to be jimmy butler and i definitely feel like he could at least get to that kind of level of player maybe not superstar but like you know butler it was the bubble, but he did take him to the finals. But like before that, he was still kind of in that all-star range, not like franchise player. I think RJ could get to that level because honestly, like at this age, you know, Jimmy was still in the study hall in Marquette, I'm pretty sure, you know right. I mean? like comparatively speaking. So I think that's why I want to hold on to RJ, but I don't know. I'll let Mo kind of maybe weigh in on that too, like where he yeah. sees. I mean, if it's if it's just RJ and, and some picks – I'm more willing to consider that before adding in Mitch into the fray. That's where it becomes a little bit more pro- problematic for me. I think when you have Julius Randle and Beal on one team, that's not too far from a prime John Wall and Bradley Beal from the Wizards a couple of years back. In, in the sense of obviously not play style, but as as far as what their success level could be, I would I don't see it being too far from maybe you know the Wizards and the Wizards. You know we know what happened to them. They're not they're not as good as they should have been in years prior but if it's, if it's rj and a couple of picks and we keep quickly and we somehow manage to keep mitch i might be more willing to do that because beal at the end of the day is arguably you know one of the best scorers in the nba right now well so it's like the mitch argument the mitch thing is is a wild card for me because centers are just so replaceable today mm-hmm. you know they're like running backs at this point um, I don't, I don't think like, like I, I sung his praises before. I think he's like been the fourth or third or fourth best defensive center in the NBA this year, but like Nerlens Noel is fine as a rim protector. And I, unless you're telling me that the Knicks can create what the jazz have with Mitch, then are you like, are you going to overpay a center to take four or five shots a game? So like as much as I'd love to keep Mitch, you're eventually gonna have to pay him, which right. I worry Will about. We be paying him a lot because it sucks to say, and we mentioned this in our in our hand, last yeah. up. So he's injured, so he might not mm. get paid as much as he could have if he were to you know 
play on a daily basis. Um, and he's not scoring as high, so maybe the contract deal that we get ends up becoming a steal. If you can do that, then like, like what three for? for I've seen three for for thirty out there, but I think see the Mitch thing is also confusing because he's gone through like four different agents, including yeah. not like going from Rich Paul to not Rich Paul, which suddenly made me much more confident about yeah. their ability <laughs> to get a good deal with him. Paul's um, terrifying. Yeah, like <laughs> oh, okay, I guess we're maxing paid. out Mitchell Robinson. You know? Pretty much. <laughs> um. So, long story short, I think, it, like, I'm against any actual trade before the summer, you know? Like, I'd want to see what the market is for Beal. Because, like, maybe a team isn't going to throw four firsts out there, Adam. Maybe you could get him for RJ and two firsts. And then, like, at that point, you still keep your draft pack capital going forward. And you, right. you mentioned that the wizards like they didn't, didn't accomplish much but i think part of why they didn't accomplish much is you know coaching like i don't think scott brooks is that great a coach they, that yeah. manual quickly aspect of this is is a wild like quickly might be cj mccollum like there's your big three right there mm-hmm. you know like if you're putting cool. bradley beal emmanuel quickly and julius randall on the same team that's at least a much more well-balanced team um right. that, your Dane that comparison too well so mm-hmm. even even if quickly is like just Lou Williams, then you then have a legitimate bench that you're competing with. That Wizards team, like you mentioned, was a two-man team with Marcin Gortat as their third best player, Otto Porter as their third best player, eventually getting $107 million, which I have to say that every time I say Otto Porter's name because he got $107 million. Um, yeah, tell me about it. That, that, that offseason is still ridiculous. Anyway, um, even that Wizards team got to a game seven and was like a good fourth quarter where Kelly Olynyk didn't make like 18 points against exactly. them from reaching the conference finals. Mm-hmm. So I actually think the ceiling with a coach that preaches defense, that has playoff success, but is looking to take another step. Um, I, I go back to, I, I, I go back to the mellow trade when I think about Bradley Beal, though, because I don't want – like, I loved mellow. I thought, like, there's a post picture of him right there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's off camera, but it's right there. Like, I'm a gigantic mellow stan, but, like, I think they pulled the trigger on that deal before they had to. They had right. some assets, and, you know, I, I would have much more rather preferred that they waited. However – like they got the guy at a certain point. At a certain, like eventually, you got to make the trade to get the guy. And like the, the beauty of this back and forth is that I think the Knicks are in a good place to do either exactly. or. It's like the Jets with: Do you trade for Deshaun Watson? Do you keep Darnold? Or do you draft Kyle, Zach Wilson? Like you're in a good place with any of these situations. So I think that's the yep. difference between now and the offseason. That the Knicks are actually in a place of power than in, in a place of desperation. Exactly. Definitely a nice and refreshing position to be in. Um, definitely a nice change, a change in scenery for. for yeah, you're no longer like we need to trade everybody so that <laughs> maybe two people will come here. Yeah. Know? So, Andrew, as we wrap up this episode, we like to ask our guests, a, you know, a couple of questions about their own game. Um, okay. You know, how how often? First off, are you are you a New Yorker? I am. I am. Okay. I'm in Long you're Island fun. right now. Okay. Awesome. So. 
you know, how, how often do you play basketball? And, you know, when you do play, is there a certain player that you find yourself resembling? Oh, of course. So Steph Curry, I think would, no. Yeah. Um, so when I played in high school, um, like I'm a bigger dude. So I played a lot of four, but I can shoot. Mm. So like we, we were revolutionary with it back in, in 2006 when I played varsity and we were stretching the floor with four shooters. And then the league caught up to us. Like my coach literally was like, watch the Phoenix Suns tonight. That's what we're doing. And it's like, okay, coach, (laughs) we have no, we're going to play just the the same amount of defense if that's what you want us to do. Um, So um, the last time I played, uh, obviously pre-pandemic, I used to have a membership at 24-Hour Fitness. And uh, I realized that I'm in my 30s now and that like, 21 and horse might be my game for a little bit. Uh, I still have the jump shot. I will say that Papa shy. Like at Dave and Buster's, like they have mm. a, like a grown up version. I still like, I'll get you a high score, but don't ask me to guard anybody anytime soon. So I think that description is like 2019 Julius Randall, I guess like last year when he wasn't guarding many people, but could <laughs> score every now and then. Um, I was going to say a late stage Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> La- final season Dirk Nowitzki is my game now. I'm, I am about as, hey. as washed as Dirk was his final season <laughs> in the league. He played for about 12 cool. minutes too, you know? <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, dear God, stop snowing. You guys are in New York right now? Yeah. I'm in DC. So we are in DC. Is away. it bad yeah. by you? The snow? Um, it was a little, it was pretty bad today. It was actually like, I don't think we're actually built for this kind of snow. Cause like during the work day, it was really bad for like a three hour period in the afternoon. My wifi was just tripping just mm. cause like Comcast service just decided to crap out on the whole area. But mm. otherwise we don't really get that New York kind of winter. Luckily, you know what I mean? It's, it's been bad. It's snowed, it snowed like eight inches today and it was mostly oh, powder. Man. So um, my girlfriend and I, she got me one of those Evolution Wilson balls, like the official outdoor ball that's actually mm. really good and absorbs sweat. And we went to a park like the last nice day in November, and it was like, we'll do this more often. And it's been <laughs> below 30 degrees, snowing, raining every single weekend since. And I just, like Mother Nature, if you could just like let up, we get it. You want it to, <laughs> to snow on us the month of February. Because I'd like to, you know, improve my my status from above final year Dirk to maybe final year D Wade, if at all possible. <laughs> yeah, good girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Baby um, yeah, uh, Andrew, we truly appreciate you coming on to the show. This was a lot of fun. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with you and your work, uh, where where can where can they find out more about you? So you can find me on Twitter at Andrew J. Claudio. Follow Nick's Film School at Nick Film School. The school is spelled S-K-O-O-L because we're cool like that. Um, Subscribe to the Nick's Film School podcast, which is found everywhere podcasts are available. Find us on YouTube by searching Nick's Film School. Obviously, it mentioned at the top. Mike Breen, the voice of the New York Knicks, comes on episode 300 uh, everywhere. I'm sure by the time this this is, well, I guess this is live. So in the morning, when you're listening to this, it drops uh, Friday night at midnight. Um, and my Can't podcast, wait. Final Score, is available also on the Overtime Network on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, wherever pods are available. 
Uh, we're hitting episode 98 next week. In fact, nice. next week, one of the episodes I'm doing is a top 10 movies of 2020. Mm. That's right, because the Golden Globes are next weekend, which is the first big award show, which then leads to um, recapping the year a little bit in cinema. So, um, nice. yeah, guys, this was this was a lot of fun. I got to be honest. This was, this was thank you for having me. This was a blast. I mean, the pleasure is all ours. I mean, you guys are Nick's film score again, pretty big time. So you might as well try to kind of get you guys on now. Oh, stop floor. it. Stop it. <laughs> Say when. Say when. I will be here anytime. Believe me. Macri, on the other hand, you might have to go through his publicist. But he's I'm, getting Hollywood I'm, on us. I, I, of course. I kind of felt it. I felt it. Yeah. I still have. Like I have to text his assistant. Hey, is he free <laughs> to, you know, talk? Like, even I'm getting big time by him a little bit. <laughs> oh, God. Um, all right well for those of you guys watching we appreciate you guys watching tonight's episode of nickish at night make sure you tune in again next thursday at 8 p.m for a new guest uh for nickish uh make sure you follow us on instagram and twitter at nickish show and make sure you follow us on our on all podcasting platforms nickish uh and we hope you guys enjoy the rest of your night stay safe andrew thank you again for joining us this was awesome uh until next time we'd be we'd be truly happy to have you back on the show at some point later on uh congratulations to you on almost episode 100 of your show and of course congrats on episode number 300 nick's film school thank you everyone much appreciated guys <laughs>